everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, that was what it was. Usually in that type of game, your hope uh, is often that things won't go horribly and you come out fairly healthy. Um Rice didn't particularly do either of those things, so it wasn't exactly uh, wasn't exactly fun. But uh, at the same time, I, it's just it's not one of those games that you can draw a lot of conclusions out of. I think right, and and I think it's interesting. So we're we're just kind of talking before the podcast that we've we've talked about a bad loss to a Power Five opponent at Rice and, and recent history. So we don't have to, I don't think, go blow for blow and relitigate everything that happened in the game. But I think we did kind of enter this game with, a, well, I won't speak for you, but I entered this game with kind of a general expectation of the spread being, I think it was like 32 and a half points or something. I was texting back and forth with someone beforehand, and I said, honestly, if I can see like 45 to 13 Okay, like I can roll with that given how good we think that the I almost said Oklahoma, but the USC offense is is going to be, you know. (laughs) And uh, I saw Jordan Addison with that whip route for the first touchdown where he literally like turns around, faces the other end zone and makes a beeline for the pylon and scores. And I was just like, well, I what are you going to do? So if you take away the three pick sixes, which the fact that I can. What's more bizarre, three pick sixes in a game or a quadruple doink off an upright? Uh, I think probably still the quadruple doink, but the three pick sixes, especially given the two of them were ricochets off of receivers' hands. Uh, yeah, that will do. So I had multiple people ask me about this game because uh, the line, I think, closed at either, I think it was 32 and a half and it was 34 and a half at one point. <clears throat> I had multiple people ask me if I would uh, what I thought about that line, and I said, I think Rice can cover the 34 and a half if if things don't go totally disastrous. And you know what? If you take away the three pick sixes, they covered the 34 and a half. So, you know, just saying. <laughs> yeah, and and so the thing with the the pick sixes is they were they were all just random. Like we're talking Luke McCaffrey and Bradley Rosner, who I think. I would posit are the most trusted options in the offensive scheme. Like, I don't know of many players that you would trust on any singular play more than those two individuals. So yeah, they got to catch them. And I mean, that's the end of that conversation. I'm going to throw the same pass to both of them again, all season and ask them to catch it again, because that that's just kind of thing that they don't catch it on a such a low percentage time. And then on an even low percent, lower percentage, it gets ricocheted into a hand. And then like just the odds <sighs> ridiculous rice always seems to find those odds. So, uh, yeah, the game, it kind of turned out, I think from a, a kind of score perspective with some crazy chaos, Along the lines of what we were expecting, I don't think I have any other reaction to the the broad picture of this game 
from a court score perspective of that, I did kind of want to talk through the first 20 minutes or so of the game, because I think the first couple drives on offense and defense were pretty instructive for what I wanted to see from this team. I, I think the, my, my takeaway positive takeaway, at least from the offense is this is a team that can, they lined up with two tight ends on the first play of the game. And on the second play of the game, they were five wide. If you take out the sacks by the backup quarterback, you have a team that averaged TJ McMahon had seven carries for minus six yards. Yeah. If you take away his sacks, you get 5.6 yards per carry from the running backs, which shoot, I'll take that. And you have a first scoring drive was 16 plays, a couple third down conversions and punched it in from the one yard line. So I think I wanted to see that this offense could be dynamic. It could win in different ways on the ground and through the air. And the people that I want to trust to catch the football, uh, be it McCaffrey, uh, Rosner, we even saw a lot more Isaiah Esdale than maybe we might have been expecting. I think they all did relatively well when the game was still, you know, within reach. And it was 7-7 at the end of the first quarter. So from that perspective, I'm like all thumbs up for the offense, frankly, because I'm kind of throwing out the entire second half, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll see from here where it goes, but like, uh, and they were like, they were good on the script for, for the offense, which is great. Like, and, and a lot of offenses will be good on the script, but like, uh, you know, also there is a, there was a big talent discrepancy there and they were so good. And you still saw even, in the context of that, like the offensive line got some of the best movement at times that we have seen a Rice offensive line get, period, against USC. And yeah, USC doesn't have the talent on the lines that they do at the skill positions, but uh, that's still a high, you know, a high talent index power five team right there. And he um, saw a lot of positive signs there. Um, and even on the defense, like things were not going great even at the beginning, but I saw a lot of, you know, one of the, the hopes we've had for this team is that they get more pressure from the front. And I mean, they got pressure on Caleb Williams at times. He's just, it's Caleb Williams and he was too fast for them to tackle. So, yeah. I don't know if you have the stat sheet pulled up in front of you, but do you know how many incompletions Caleb Williams had on Saturday? Uh, it, I remember we were texting at one point during the game and he had like one incompletion and it was a drop. At some point, uh, I don't know what yeah, it ended so up as, but it was uh, it was he got up. He got up to three incompletions on the day. One of them was a drop. The second one was a spike, which counts as an incompletion. And the third incompletion was the final play of the first half where he found his receiver in the corner of the end zone. But he was out of bounds with like a second left on the clock. So that was those were his only incompletions. He was. That's the best quarterback performance I've ever seen against a Rice defense of any caliber. He was phenomenal. I think uh, Robert Griffin in 2011 may still hold that, hold that title for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like it, it, it's the sort of thing where he. I mean, that would have was a performance that would have been impressive against air. And 
uh, if Rice was going to even be competitive in this game, they needed him to not be 100% on, and he absolutely was. So um, we'll say this, we'll get into a few more things, but the ultimate takeaway from this game is that uh, what were they going to do on defense? Like, they could have played, but it's not like they were bust after bust after bust. It was just like USC had NFL skill players at almost every position. And that's kind of Yeah, I think I think what I kind of what we saw on defense was and I feel like we've seen a strategy somewhat like this from Brian Smith before was get do not let anyone get behind you and funnel them to the middle of the field was was kind of the gist. They let the USC receivers they kind of pushed them into the middle and they were able to pick up a lot of plays in space. Uh, linebackers, uh, they had their hands full, honestly, and they did uh, a lot of things in there, but I'm not too concerned about it. You did mention, and I want to kind of hit on it, the line play. Uh, the defensive line, I think that's been something in the years past that we they just haven't really gotten consistent pressure on the quarterback. I know they only got one sack on the day against USC, but Pound for pound, I thought the D line held up and looked pretty competent and were able to get, like you mentioned, some pressure on Caleb Williams. It, this was one of the uh, more positive uh, games that I've had looking at this defensive line. And they didn't really, from a box score perspective, impact the game <laughs> at all. But I did see, like, there were so many times where you flushed Caleb Williams out and then he just made the perfect throw. And you're just like, well, you did the right thing. But I think that I think that pays dividends when you're playing McNeese State and not USC. Yeah, <laughs> at least I, that's I, the goal. I think the story of the game for me ultimately is, like, throw out the second half because it's it, it snowballed the moment the, uh, the, the next pick six was thrown there. And there are a lot. There were a lot of things that the team on both sides of the ball did in the first half that, against not USC, against CUSA and Louisiana and McNeese State, that that's going to be winning football. That the 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 quality of play that they gave in those moments in the first half, for the most part. Uh, bodes well for the rest of the season, I think. And and we haven't hit on this yet, but so just a a trivia question for all all, all folks listening, uh, and, and I'll ask you, Carter, because you're the only one I have to talk to at the moment right mm-hmm. now. But uh, last ten games from USC going back to the game against Texas last year, last ten games, how many times has Rice had a quarterback knocked out of a game with injury to the point where they could not return? In the last ten games, oh god, uh, four or five times probably. Six, <laughs> oh and two god. of them happened in that game against Texas. Oh jeez, and that's kind of something that we didn't kind of. I mean, and obviously we're tired of, like, no one likes to see their, the team that they're rooting for get beat by forty-two. But uh, Rice lost their starting quarterback to an injury again. And the I guess it was their third drive, but and this is something that's interesting that we we never get to see right. But they're going down there. The ball hits Luke McCaffrey's hands, and he was near the sticks. I don't know if he was going to convert, uh, but if it would have been fourth and one, I could have told you they would have gone for it. And 
Ari Broussard was really good in short yardage on Saturday. So I don't know. Maybe the game gets interesting there. But Rice is down to their backup quarterback. And and like you said, everything kind of snowballs. But on the offensive line, we haven't really gotten there yet. Uh, I thought it was always going to be a bit of an adventure when you're rolling out a he's not I guess not a true freshman but redshirt freshman Ethan Onyanwa at right tackle Uh, I thought there were a lot of times in this game where the offensive line frankly looked dominant Uh, they had some big running lanes that they Cam Montgomery had a 55 yard run Mm -hmm. and then right what was it was it longer or was it 55 uh, I think it was 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I, well, yeah. But I thought it was interesting because in my head I was like, oh, well, well, they got that one run. That was great. And then like the next play after or like right after that, he had like a 13 or an 18-yard run off, off tackle, like back-to-back, like boom, boom, long carries. So I thought the O-line did a really good job in run blocking. I thought pass protection was okay. I think you can directly attribute the – the final interception to a bad, bad protection. So it wasn't perfect, but yeah, I think going into this game, he kind of thought that if you're trotting out somebody new, that there's going to be some growing pains. I think we definitely saw them, but given the fact that this is kind of how the game was going to go, regardless of how, what play you got out of, you know, one guy in your line, I'm kind of willing to roll the dice and, still kind of optimistic that they can get that cleaned up because it was just, it was the raw athleticism and speed of the, them on the, of the rush on the outside that I, you just, I mean, yeah, you get a block, a, a Kenna and Trey Schumann and, you know, Josh Piercy in practice, but yeah, I don't know. So overall I'm going to give the offensive line like a B plus all things considered, which is, which is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was I, I thought their performance as a whole, again, particularly when the game was was still competitive, was really, really promising. So um, this was this wasn't the sort of game where like. Um, I don't know, like the Baylor game in in 2019, where it's like, oh, uh, you're actively upset that you let it get away. But like, oh, man, they really hung with a team that's a lot better. They didn't do that. And they were still like some things to be frustrated with and some things to be worried about. But I still, it it wasn't just like a, hey, completely throw the tape out on this one. There actually really were some promising things that I thought the offensive line in particular was one of them. Is there anything, you mentioned some things, anything particular from this game that you do take away and you say, man, this is the part that still kind of makes me nervous? Obviously not to a USC degree, hopefully, but just in general. Um, I think you can give him, I guess, a bit of a pass coming in cold. And again, one of the pick, the pick six was not his fault, but like, or the one of the pick sixes was not his fault, but like, um, <laughs> it, it is worrying that, uh, CJ came into the game and, you know, we kind of said that like, it, it seems like what lost him the job, uh, was, or what what allowed Wiley to take it over him was, was in part was taking care of the football. And it is worrying that he came in in three, that TJ man came in and threw three interceptions. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily a like, Oh God, he's going to throw three picks in every game, but it does have to be something that's on your radar at this point, just because 
it seems like, and you know, we can give whatever updates we have on Wiley, but for at least a couple of weeks, they're probably going to have to rely on him there. Yeah. And so I, I think, so the first two interceptions that TJ threw were both t- tip balls. I think both by Rosner. I think the first one was McCaffrey tip and the second two and three were Rosner balls. Uh, that sounds correct, but uh, both tip passes that were intercepted. Um, the last interception wasn't tipped, but he was flushed up the gut and kind of was hit from behind while he threw the football. So if you want to say, yeah, he probably should have just ate it. I can live with that. And that was his fault, but there was a lot, a lot, a lot of things working wrong on that play. So I, I think I'm maybe more concerned the fact that just everything shut down when TJ got in. And I think at that point it was, of what, like 31 or no, 38 to 14 or something like that. Like things were starting to snowball. I would have loved to see Rice like just get any points at all in the second half just to kind of show that like we still got it. But yeah, what yeah. nice. I'm 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 more concerned with with the the fact that everything stopped than that 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 TJ maybe threw one interception more than he shouldn't because I just kind of Nah, I don't know. But on the, I think it's fair. And I think on the Wiley Green front, so uh, we might have more from Rice at the time or at uh, the time that this post. But what I can tell you now, after going out to practice on Monday afternoon, that I spoke with uh, OC uh, Marcus Tuyas Sopo, and he said that they got good news back on Wiley on his checkup on Monday afternoon what that good news means and what exactly we're dealing with was less clear. But the gist uh, that I've been led to understand is that this isn't going to be like a shut him down for the year kind of issue. This is going to be um, a shorter term concern. So they have a couple more tests to run and we'll hopefully get something back soon, but he's not been ruled out for this weekend, but I, I don't know. I feel like, this staff may or may not be eager to roll out their starting quarterback before they have to, but I, I, yeah, I mean, let's, let's really hope that they don't need him. Right. Yes. I think that's part of it. And, but I do think that, you know, maybe at this very moment in time, I think it's possible you could see McMahon at the helm for a a couple games and then we'll kind of reassess maybe going into Houston where things are at again we don't have any hard concrete timeline or exact description of of wiley's injury but this seems it kind of feels like they might have dodged a bullet here on the injury front and they will get wiley back um again so what is this the third year that he will have been knocked out and have a chance to re-enter it's wild or wiley just needs to like win the job back and then write a memoir about the time that i won the quarterback job seven times because that's kind of what it feels like at this time. So, yeah, I think they'll get him back is my expectation right now. I don't really have uh, much of a firm update on the other injuries, the guys they had knocked out of the game. Cam Montgomery, I was so bummed, man. He's been waiting so long. Uh, got to 99 yards yeah, and then wasn't able to finish game. the game. And then he was on the sideline in street clothes, and I was just like, Oh, come on. I know the extra yard doesn't really matter, but 
it would have been nice just to see him, he, him he, get he deserved that. Oh, that sucked. So, and I, and I think that was, so you had him, Bowden growing a tight end who kind of on special teams and kind of been in the rotation. Uh, they went down. We mentioned cam Wiley. I think those were probably the big ones from this game. And I mean, your goal was to get out of this game healthy and I think don't think you can say that when your starting quarterback got knocked out and potentially could miss some time. So I don't think you accomplished that, but they I didn't mean, lose honestly, any other starters at least. Yeah, I mean, in compared to where this team has been in previous years, they're still looking pretty good because they're used to being down to their backup quarterback. They are okay. And I'm gonna say this, uh, and then I'm gonna knock on every wood or wood adjacent object in my house. Uh, and then I'm going to cast a spell. I'm going to pray to the old gods and the new. I'm going to do whatever it takes. But <laughs> they're only down one starting would be starting wide receiver right now. Um, you know, we we don't we'll 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 see when there are updates on on said Patterson. But uh, <laughs> this is much better than they've been in many previous years. So. Um, um, please enact whatever personal magic you and your family practice to uh, uh, undo the jinx I just did. But like, it has certainly been worse in prior years. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely bonkers. Um, yeah, so that's what it is. I think that's that's kind of where they're at from a health standpoint. I think. You know, we talked a lot about kind of little pieces of the offense from a defensive perspective. I I think I kind of went into this game expecting I almost said Oklahoma again, uh, expecting USC to get theirs and score. I think the like I think somewhere around that 45 point total was kind of the implied margin or their implied scoring. And that's kind of where they finished out with the offense. So. I think that's kind of there. I didn't see just trying to go through my head right now. There weren't really many busts. I think that they, they gave up some big runs on the ground, but I thought uh, altogether when having to account for what they could do through the air, I think they were okay up front. Yeah. Uh, I, US- I, I think there are, there are teams that have significantly, higher base talent levels than rice does that are going to give up 45 offensive points to usc this year so um i don't know they looked like they knew what they were doing i guess is what i would say about the defense it just again was um unless like usc was crisp and if they were executing well there is just only so much you can do when your opponent is fielding NFL type skill players at every single position. Um, like I thought there were a couple of times when like Sean fresh had really good position and was in really like playing physical stuff like that. It just like, I don't know. He was isolated on Jordan Addison who, who might have been a first rounder last year. Yeah. And I've been like, I've been hyping up Sean fresh all off season. He's had a great, great camp and a, a great just start to his year before, I mean, before you get to the games and I, having, and, and they, they stuck to their guns. Like, I don't know how else you, 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 how else you would play this because it's not like you can double team Addison because you have, you know, everybody else under the sun that 
USC had to work with. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got beat there. It's fine. I thought it was kind of interesting watching that one of the, I'm not going to say benefits, but one of the byproducts of the game going the way that it did was they were able to get a lot of different guys into the mix that I think saw action that maybe the plan might not have been had the game been close. I think Kirk Lockhart leading the team in tackles was not something I would have had on my bingo card. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Marcus Williams, and I, I actually put this, if you're a Patreon subscriber, I had a I do a kind of roundup section, a free fire at the end of come up, my practice notes, uh, extra points. I had a, a note on there about Marcus Williams, how he had kind of jumped up and earned a spot and the two deep and he could see some action. He finished second on the team in tackles. So I'm going to give myself a pat on the back okay, for that Marcus. one. Uh, I also saw, I also said that Ross and McNeil, AKA baby Ross would probably be the one true freshman. I was pretty confident would get some action in this game one way or another. And he was on the field. He didn't catch any passes, but he did get onto the field as a true freshman in this wide receiver group, which pretty good there. So I'm not going to get them all right, but I got two. So I'll take that. And then you had a good mix. I'm looking at, there's probably like two dozen different guys that ended up with a tackle. I think Ari, Ari Broussard had a special teams tackle, I believe, I, th- I saw, and yeah. scored two touchdowns. So, like, let's go. <laughs> and on a special special teams front, while I'm there, uh, we didn't attempt any field goals. And, and I know this is kind of the, the result of the game is what it is, but... I was actually kind of thrilled that they did not attempt a field goal and they went with it and pushed tempo and went forward on fourth down on multiple oh, yeah. occasions. Like, and I said this going into the game, I think it was my conversation I had with, with Yogi on the podcast last week. I said, if I'm rice, I just roll the dice and risk it. Cause if it blows up in your face, the worst thing you can do is lose. If you don't risk it, you are yeah, going right. to lose. There's there's so, absolutely no reason to play scared or to play cautious in a situation like that when you're rice. And it was, you know, it's it's. I guess it's sort of easy to do that when there's nothing on the line. But if you can't do it when there's nothing on the line, you're not going to do it when there are things on the line, I guess. So um, that was good to see. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. And I know we've been, you know, on this podcast, we've said a million times, you know, this will be the year that the offense kind of gets it together. And I'm not going to christen them as having it gotten together after scoring 14 points, but I am, I am feeling very confident that this is a, an offensive scheme that, you know, I'm not even going to say assuming everyone's healthy because we know that's never going to be the case, but never, never going to happen given where they're at, you know, this is a team that was scoring in the twenties per game in conference the past couple years. I think they could be pushing high twenties, low thirties, like pretty realistically. And I'm not expecting a 16 play touchdown drive to open up every game, but what I thought was interesting and different about this 16 play drive, I thought there was a decent amount of like big plays 
and it wasn't just wait till third and long and and chuck it. I thought there was a a good amount of like you know five yard run, twelve uh, yard pass. It was it didn't feel it felt like a different sixteen play drive than last year, which I think yeah. they had a, they had one last year. I think they had an eighteen or a twenty play drive, but I looked it up. I'm pretty sure this would have been the second longest drive they had last season, and it was their first of the year. Yeah, well, that's a that's a positive sign. No, yeah, I I think you're exactly right. Like you're not gonna, I don't know. We were high on this offense coming into the season, and I don't think you can sit here and say like, yeah, this offense is great. We were right. Uh, you can't can't exactly like like check that box on the old prediction sheet. But um, I would say I have not. I, I like outside of injuries, I am not. I have not lost any confidence in this offense after this game. Yeah, and although we got really excited about this season and talked about how talented this team was, I don't think there was ever an occasion. Like last year on this podcast, I said that I think they could hang with Arkansas. And I think we did a preseason what's more likely to happen. And I said them beating Arkansas was a a realistic outcome, not something I'd predict, but it wouldn't surprise me. And uh, I was feeling pretty confident on that game going into this game. Just even knowing what I knew about about Caleb Williams, I I never had any realistic expectations that this would be a close game, and it wasn't. And so I'm not going to reassess after the fact and change my standards and say, well, I was hoping that they would get close, and they they didn't, so shame on them, but no. So uh, I'll be concerned if things change this weekend or don't change this weekend against McNeese, who actually played Montana State pretty close, who I think they were went pretty far in the FCS playoffs last year. So maybe their McNeese state is. Yeah. If it's under like upper great plains, Rockies area and ends in state as an FCS team, it's really good. (laughs) Or either Um, of the Dakotas. I feel like North and South Dakota and North and South Dakota state, both sneaky good. Yeah. All all of the Dakotas, all of the Dakotas are good. Now used to be three of them were good and North Dakota was bad, but now they're all good. Like North Dakota state and South Dakota state are above the, the non-state Dakotas, but they're all four good now. Yeah. So what does that mean about McNeese, McNeese state, which McNeese is not even a state. How do we get there? Um, Neither is Sam Houston, but (laughs) I digress. Yeah, so we'll see, uh, and we're not going to to break that one down here. Stay tuned to, I don't know if we've plugged it on the show yet, but Blue and Gray preview show, J.P. Heath, Voice of the Owls uh, on radio and everywhere else. We record that uh, every Wednesday around lunchtime, noonish, and we kind of talk through and preview the game. So we'll have your preview there. We'll have your post game here. I think that kind of hits everything we wanted to hear um, unless there are there any incantations or, or spells or what do we need to hit to make sure that nobody else gets hurt and rice can finish the season like we'd like them to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Wh- whatever your. Um... We'll edit that in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's just, let's just hope that this, this game this weekend doesn't look like uh, uh Texas Southern last year where they they let a bad FCS team uh, score 30 plus points on them and, and even an 11 at the end. So as long as it's, uh, you know, we're not usually one task for style points around here. Let's hope, let's hope it's a little prettier than that. But I need uh, some style points. Yeah, please. That would be nice. Like and um, even if the offense is just fine, if the defense can jo- just go out and dominate and I just know that one side of the ball is going to be great. 
I would probably be okay with that too. But yeah, yeah when that would, that would go a long way some for flash. Sure. I would take, you know, just because USC got three pick sixes, I'd take one. Yeah, that would be nice. Get one of those back. Get to only minus two in the pick six column this year. Oh, gosh, rice football. Why do you do this to us? <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, so that's it for us now. Uh, let's let's um, put this one in the rear view, uh, and we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about a uh, nice, easy win with minimal injuries. Again, knock on wood, perform any spells, any rituals, any prayers. <laughs> but we'll see y'all then, and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.